0: 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19, uh, or, or even better, find the Bible and follow it with me as we look at these words together for the next few minutes. Let me pray now. Father God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would prepare our hearts and open our eyes, help us to see and hear Jesus clearly in these verses, so that as we listen and study and as we see Jesus here, that you would be changing us on the inside, in our hearts, so that we can live for you and serve you in your world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start by showing you a video which Corin's going to put on the screen, and uh, this is a gentleman called Oluwale Ilasanmi, um, and he's a street preacher, and he's being arrested Outside Southgate station in North London. So Corin's gonna put this on the screen now. I can be arrested For if you want. Don't put your hands in my face. I can be arrested Don't put if you your want. Hands in my face. What's your face? You put your hand you in my better, face. You better you you better you better even Make your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you doing here? I am preaching. You are preaching. I'm gonna require you to go away. You can never Okay then I will arrest you for a breach of peace. Plain and simple. What breach of peace? It's what you're doing at the moment. You're causing problems, you're disturbing people's days, and you're breaching their peace. Okay, so for me that be dealt with if you won't go away voluntarily, you will have to arrive. I will not go away because I need to tell them the truth. Because Jesus is the only way, the truth. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. I appreciate and that. And no but nobody wants to listen to that. They want you to go away. Oh, you don't no want, want to listen want to, to, to that. that. You will listen when you are dead. You will listen when you are dead. You will listen. Take me, take me. No, 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 no. Don't take my Bible Don't take my Bible away. Don't that, take that, take my I gave you the simple option. Don't take my Bible away. Not take Skip, no, you're not taking away. it away. Before that, sir. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Whatever you like, you can even do. Whatever parks. you like. Where do you park? Huh? We're not parks, anyway. We're going to go for a walk. Thank you. Do you want me to... So um, thank you for that. So that was, that was a video of uh, Oluwale Ilasanmi, who is a street preacher, and uh, he was standing there outside Southgate Station on the Piccadilly Line. It's not far away from us in North London. Uh, in fact, it's very close to Oak Hill College, where the Stead family and the Fraser family teach and study, respectively. Um, This was an incident from a couple of years ago. Someone had accused Mr of using Islamophobic language in his uh, preaching in the street, and the police were called, and uh, what you saw there is what happened. And the day ended with him being driven miles away and having to ask a passerby to buy him a bus ticket to get back home. The police later admitted that the arrest had been wrongful and they paid Mr. 2500 £2,500 in recognition of the distress and embarrassment that they had caused. I don't know what you make of that. Um, There was no evidence in the end that Mr. had used Islamophobic language. He had apparently called Islam itself an aberration, uh, but that is not the same as expressing hatred towards Muslims. And although he was clearly preaching loudly and with passion he, he remained calm even when the police arrested him um, and I guess you know many of us couldn't quite imagine doing that kind of preaching in the street but actually how many of us go even further than that and struggle to speak up even in private about our Christian faith because we're afraid because we want to avoid even a fraction of of the kind of suffering that Oluwale Ilisanmi experienced in that uh, incident. Um, It's hard to say for sure isn't it but over time we probably can expect life to get even harder for Christians in this country to the point where we will face real daily choices about whether to speak up about being a Christian or being quiet And, and speaking up may have increasing consequences for our liberty, for our livelihoods, for our jobs, our opportunities, as it does already for many brothers and sisters around the world. I was hearing uh, recently about uh, pastors in Eritrea, and, and they've seen people come to faith, and they're seeing people come to faith in prison and uh, in many different places, uh, but they teach them two clear things, they say. We teach them about salvation, and when we taught them about that, we teach them about persecution. This is daily reality for many brothers and sisters. And Peter is beginning to bring this letter that we've been studying this term to its close. And he's returned to some of the themes that we've seen throughout the letter. And suffering for our faith as exiles and strangers in a foreign land. uh, This is one of the big themes that we've seen. Um, And this dear friends uh, uh, or beloved uh, chapter 4 verse 12 begins the final section of the letter as he sums up what he's been saying. Expect suffering, we've heard again and again. It's part of the normal Christian life. Jesus suffered and what is true of Jesus is true of his followers. But so often when we find ourselves suffering, whether that is suffering that's directly connected to being a Christian or whether it's more general suffering like coronavirus, like job problems, relationship issues, general anxiety and depression. All all of these things so often catch us by surprise. And we end up feeling like one of those times when 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 you're struggling with a map. Maybe you're out on a big, long walk in the countryside, maybe, and you've got the map on your phone and everything's been going well until suddenly you come across a road on the map um, or or rather you come across a road in in the in front of you that isn't there on on the map and uh you you think hang on a minute that, that doesn't make any sense here 's a road in front of me uh, but i can't see that on the map and you start to think uh you know what's what on the earth going going on here and at that point the obvious conclusion to make is that you 've made a wrong turn you know the map says there should be no road here but here's a road so um, I've obviously gone wrong somewhere I need to retrace my steps I'm lost but of course I actually that is one possibility but there is another possibility which is that the map itself is wrong that you need a new map You're, you are in exactly the right place and you've been doing exactly the right things you've just got an out-of-date map that doesn't know about the road that you've just come across. And Peter's message to his followers in these verses is simple. Don't be surprised when suffering comes, when the fiery trial comes upon you to test you, as he says in verse 12, as if something strange were happening to you. There's nothing strange going on here. You don't need to retrace your steps You don't need to start again. You don't need to panic and despair and think, oh dear, this Christianity thing isn't working anymore. And why would God allow these things to happen? And surely if he loves me, he wouldn't let me suffer. You don't need to give up. You just need to refresh your map and understand what the the Christian life, the normal Christian life really looks like. Don't be surprised, Peter says. So why does he say that? Well, there's two big reasons in these verses. Why not be surprised when we suffer? Well, first, suffering is a sign that you belong to Christ. Suffering is a sign that you belong to Christ, verses 13 to 16. Um, Far from being something that you should be ashamed of or surprised by, actually, look at what he says. He says you can rejoice in this. What an extraordinary thing to say, but the, the, the reason that he can say this, it's because suffering is a sign, verse 13, that you are walking the path that Jesus walked, that you are sharing in his sufferings, that you are blessed, verse 14, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And behind this is the thing that we've seen throughout the letter, that what is true of Jesus is true of us, because we are in him. We are in Christ, as we often say. It's like going on a roller coaster. Now, quite a few years ago, we went as a family to Alton Towers, and slightly ill-advisedly, I took a rather young Eliana on a roller coaster, which was called 13, uh, mainly because we'd been given fast track passes by a a, a friend who had access to these and uh, you know when you've got a fast track pass you you want to use it and uh, Eliana was just tall enough for this ride so we went for it now I have checked with her that she's happy for me to tell this story Um, but uh, five seconds you know into the 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 ride just after it started uh, you know within five seconds she was saying daddy I want to get off which isn't a great start, particularly when the first bit of the ride is actually perfectly normal. It's just sort of going along smoothly round a couple of bends, um, but pretty quickly it turns. And you go inside a shed and the doors close behind you on this roller coaster. And then inside, in the dark, uh, the whole track that the entire roller coaster is on goes down by about six inches And then uh, five seconds later, it goes down again by about another six foot. And uh, then you're sort of sitting there going, oh, my goodness. And then the lights come on and there's this scary face right there in front of you. And then the doors open behind you and the the, the roller coaster car that you're in shoots out backwards out of the shed. And uh, it then sort of does a few more twists and turns and it arrives back home. Now, fair to say this wasn't a great dad moment. Um, and uh, the, 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 th- the thing about a roller coaster is once you're in it, you're in. There's nothing you can do. You're, you're, you know, you're just strapped in. And if you think about it, if you're not enjoying it, which not everybody does when they get on a roller coaster, the, the, the twists and the turns and the shocks Are part of the path to the finish. You don't have to get yourself there. The roller coaster carriage is going to take you there. You are strapped in. And what is true of the roller coaster car is true of you as it twists and turns. But it does all of that on its way to the glory of the finish line, where everybody breathes a great sigh of relief. And you're suffering. Because you're joined to the roller coaster for its journey. And you can be sure, though, that it may be full of twists and turns and fears and screaming right now, but it, inevitably it will soon be over because it's a roller coaster. The carriages always get to the end. And that, that, that is the kind of argument that Peter is using here. You can rejoice even in the suffering and pain of the here and now. What an extraordinary thing to say. How can you rejoice in the suffering and pain? Because it's a sign that you are joined to Christ. And this roller coaster goes through pain and suffering to glory. That's what Jesus did. He suffered and he went through suffering to glory. And so you are on that same train to glory in Christ. So rejoice and hold on when you suffer because the suffering is a sign that you are joined to him. He's got you. He's holding on to you. But, you know, he goes on then, verse 15, just make sure it's not because you're a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. A meddler is a busybody, you know, somebody who interferes in things they should stay out of. So he's saying not all suffering is automatically good suffering, and I think that's an important qualification when you think about the ways that Christians sometimes suffer, um, and even sometimes you fear. You know, when you hear about a street preacher, you might be thinking, "Yeah, but they've kind of brought that on themselves." I don't think that was true with the Oluwale Ilasanmi, but you know, sometimes people in the name of Christ can say and do things that, frankly, they shouldn't be doing, and that you know, that then you will um, bring, you know, you will bring suffering upon you. Um, But the point is, actually, a case like um, Ilisanmi reminds us that actually there will be times when Christians are doing something that they are well within their rights to do. There is no law against this kind of activity, and yet they end up suffering for it. And so Peter says, verse 16, if anybody suffers as a Christian, let them not be ashamed, but let them glorify God in that name. Because undeserved suffering as a christian of any sort is a sign that you belong to christ and you're on your way to glory because christ did the same so just note then what peter is saying about undeserved suffering he's saying don't be surprised this is the shape of the normal christian life following in the footsteps of jesus so he's saying he's saying this he's saying it's not random which is kind of what people often end up saying, you know, you, you, you just, oh, you just need to shrug your shoulders at suffering. You know, the universe is essentially random. No, it, it's not that. It's sharing in Christ's sufferings, which we can, we can therefore trust our heavenly Father like He did when we suffer, even if it feels deeply unfair, even if we can't understand why we're suffering and others aren't. We don't live in a random universe. We live in one with a loving Heavenly Father who is in control of all that happens. So it's not just random, so that you shrug your shoulders, it's, but it's also just not completely normal either. And actually, there is a kind of humanism that says, well, you know what, you just have to accept suffering as, as part of life. And frankly, actually, life would get a bit boring if, if we didn't die. The fact that we die is kind of good because it brings a value to the years that we have. That's, that's a, that is a humanist, atheist view of life. And, you know, it sort of says that uh, it's more precious because it's finite. But actually that in itself can end up playing down and denying the sheer horror of the suffering that people sometimes experience. Can we really say that about the death of a child? About the pain of depression or loneliness that goes on for years and years, or whatever it might be. It's not natural. It's not how things are supposed to be. But Jesus embraced suffering in order to end it. And so if we suffer now, we know glory is coming because Jesus rose from the dead. So Peter's not saying it's just random. He's not saying it's just normal and you should just accept it and get on with it. He's not saying something like Monty Python's, you know, always look on the bright side of life. Actually, you know, again, many non-Christians manage to approach life with that kind of attitude. And so we end up saying things like, well, you know, coronavirus, well, it hasn't been so bad because I, I needed time with my family. I needed to have some rest. And actually, this is sort of forced... This upon me. I'm, you know, I might not have chosen it, but you know, I can see a, I can see an upside to the suffering that I've gone through, and this is the kind of, you know, the, the thing that says when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That we, you know, you, you sometimes hear, and I, there's plenty of short-term wisdom in, in the kind of when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. You know, it's, it's, it's not exactly a ridiculous thing to say, but actually, there isn't much that is distinctively Christian about it. Because if you're following that philosophy, there will always come a point where you say, actually, do you know what? Enough is enough now. I've been making lemonade for a while out of these lemons, but I I can't do that anymore. No more lemonade is going to come now. I've had it. But Jesus is saying something deeper. He's saying Jesus suffered the very worst of suffering in this world to end it. And so we we may not be able to put a label on our suffering now that says, you know, I, I know why this happened. This is what it's taught me. Here is the lemonade that I've made out of the lemons. Here is the silver lining. Here is the bright side. No, we can't always do that. But Jesus suffered and died and rose from the dead, and we will too. And our undeserved suffering now, while we trust in Christ, is a sign that we are on that same train to glory. So suffering as a Christian is a sign that you belong to Christ. And then secondly, he says in verses 17 and 18, suffering is a sign that you will be saved in God's final judgment. Suffering is a sign that you will be saved in God's final judgment. These verses are slightly hard to understand at face value. You know, the judgment to begin at the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? At face value, it sounds like suffering means Christians are being judged, which may immediately make us wonder if, you know, does that mean I'm being judged for doing something wrong when I suffer? Is that why I'm suffering? This is God's judgment on me now because of my sin. Actually, we need to understand what he means by judgment because that word judgment both in the original language and and now it can mean different two different things it can mean the final punishment of hell for those who reject Jesus to the end of their life that in one sense is God's judgment but it can also mean the act of judging the act of sorting between those who are part of God's people and those who aren't So like when Jesus talks about dividing the sheep from the goats, that is an act of judging. When you sort out the laundry and you figure out, you know, what's work clothes and what is home clothes or which are her socks and which are his socks, that's an act of judging, sorting between the two. And and Peter is saying that judgment starts now. So it's not that we're being punished now, but that we're being sorted now. And again, the point is that the suffering that we experience now is a sign, therefore, that we belong to God's family. In that sense, it's almost like a badge, a kind of badge of honor. Look, I have suffered unjustly as a Christian. And and, and as you put it back in chapter one, that is a sign that our faith is being refined, that our faith is genuine, he says, that we do belong to God. Because why else would a Christian persevere? Why would a Christian keep going? That's what suffering reveals in us. And that then means that in the end, we will be safe in the final judgment. Because the the, the, the fact that we belong to God's people at the end, it will already be in the public domain. It will already be obvious from what's happened before. You know, of course she's a Christian. Because she kept trusting Jesus when her son died. Of course, he's a Christian. He kept trusting Jesus when they threatened him and his loved ones after he abandoned Islam. Of course, she's a Christian. She kept trusting Jesus through years of loneliness. He kept trusting Jesus when his family teased him mercilessly every time he mentioned going to church. Suffering is a sign that you will be safe. But therefore, Look out if you choose comfort now over suffering. That's what Peter's saying here. Because if you choose the broad way rather than the narrow gate, you know, the easy life, the life of being your own boss and not having to go God's way, the life of having everyone speak well of you and everything just as you want it. If you choose that because you think the cost of following Jesus is too great, beware. because that suffering that you're trying to avoid will come on you in the end. In the end, it's a choice. It's a choice that works a bit like a vaccine. We're all desperate for news of a a working and safe vaccine in the coming months, but the the way a vaccine works, or at least the way some vaccines are meant to work, is generally that you get a a little tiny dose of the virus or, or, or something like the virus, and that tiny dose may cause a mild amount of suffering, you know, a headache for a day or two, mild flu symptoms. But the point is, as a result, you are safe when your body encounters the full-on virus in the future. But those who reject the vaccine will experience the full suffering Of the illness if they encounter it and that's the kind of thing that, that, that we're getting at here and you know if you look at verse 18 the righteous if the righteous are scarcely saved in the sense that Christians have to go through very hard times on the way to the day of judgment they're saved with difficulty we might say but if that's true for Christians how much more dreadful is it for those who haven't had the vaccine of suffering in the here and now and face the full force of God's judgment then. If you're watching this and you know the reason you've not yet committed to following Jesus is because you think the cost is too great, you know, the reputational cost among peers when they find out, the autonomy cost when you say Jesus is Lord. If you're not prepared to suffer now, understand what Peter's saying here that those things that you're not prepared to put up with are just a very mild side effect of a very effective vaccine. And the alternative is far, far worse. And so he concludes verse 19. Let those who suffer according to God's will, in other words, in the manner that he's outlined here, let them entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Again, picking up on what Jesus did, and he talked about that at the end of chapter two. Now, when we talk about suffering in this way, Christians have have sometimes gone in slightly strange directions when thinking about suffering. You know, you hear about people who've deliberately gone looking for suffering, and who literally flog themselves, or hurt themselves, or put themselves in harm's way, or they think, they think, well, then, you know, this decision that I'm making now, this can't be right because it feels too easy. And God's way is surely meant to involve more suffering than this. And so they kind of deliberately put themselves through difficult things just because they think, um, you know, I need, if suffering's a sign that I belong to Christ, I, need, I, I probably ought to be doing a bit more suffering here. So I go and look for it and make it happen. I think Peter would call that kind of thing a little bit mad because the point is, If you live faithfully as a Christian, if you you just get on with living a faithful Christian life, trusting Jesus, living for him, you won't have to go looking for suffering. Suffering will come and find you. Whether it's the suffering of a fallen world that causes you to need to cling on to Christ more and more, or whether it is the suffering of persecution that that singles out Christians and uh, and causes them to, to suffer in particular ways. this kind of suffering is going to happen, it just will, you don't need to go looking for it, so you don't need to feel guilty therefore if right now you're not finding it, may that be a reason to go to God and say thank you and and just to live in, in, in close dependence on him because there will come a time when suffering will come upon each of us. If you ask around the Christians at St John's, we will all have our own stories of suffering while trusting in Jesus, and it's not as if you know deliberately seeking out suffering will earn you special brownie points or something. You know that that's sometimes I fear that that can be a, a mentality that we get into. Actually, that is not far. It's a pretty shocking thing to say, but it's not far from the kind of Islamic terrorist view of earning your salvation. You know, I martyr myself and I get extra virgins in paradise. That's the sort of terrorist logic. No, no, suicide is not martyrdom. Martyrdom is something other people do to you while you are seeking to live a faithful, normal, peaceful Christian life because you already have the assurance of glory that follows suffering here and now. So do you see what he's saying? Hold on to Jesus who suffered on his way to glory. Don't be surprised when suffering comes, whether it's the persecution of people being arrested in the street or being arrested because of their Christian faith or because of what they're saying about Jesus now or in the future, or whether it's the suffering of a fallen world. But in whatever form suffering takes, Peter's saying, rejoice because of who you belong to, that you're joined to him. And rejoice because of where then he is taking you. Let me pray now. Father, thank you for these words. And thank you that we can know when we suffer, that it's a sign that if we're trusting in Jesus, that we belong to him, we are joined to him. That we can therefore put our trust more in him not see our faith weaken in suffering but strengthen because we know that he went through suffering to glory so help us in whatever suffering we face now or in the future to have that mindset and then to trust in Jesus and know with confidence that he's with us now and that he's taking us to glory may we trust in him may we hold on to him and may you help us if we've not yet trusted in him to do that and we pray that in jesus name amen